Hey everyone, and welcome to this special bonus episode of the North County Beat. I'm your host, Kelly Kyle. Last episode, we discussed allegations of discrimination at a local high school in North County. That podcast covered the topics of diversity and inclusion in schools. But as we know, with the current state of events right now, these topics are related to so much more. You heard briefly in that last episode from Bernardo Ferdman, a psychology professor turned consultant who specializes in diversity and inclusion at the organizational level. Based in Carmel Valley, he has more than 30 years of experience under his belt when it comes to these topics. He's led workshops, taught grad school courses, and worked closely with business leaders on how to promote diversity and inclusion within various spaces. I called him up again to dive deeper into these topics, what they mean, why they matter, and how they can benefit our society as a whole. Here's that interview. Can you give me some background on yourself within the diversity and inclusion space? So I've been working in diversity and inclusion in one way or another for many years, I would say probably my whole career. And uh, my focus is on supporting leaders and organizations and bringing inclusion to life. I was a professor for 31 and a half years specializing on these topics. Um, My background is in psychology. I want to move on to your area of study and just ask you to define diversity and inclusion and then give us a little bit of you know background on why these are so important in businesses, schools, and other organizations. So what is diversity? It's the, the idea that we have many different identity groups and the cultures that those represent rep- in any given group, uh, like mm-hmm. a work group, or any given organization, or even in a yeah. community or a society. So if you think about San Diego, San Diego is a very diverse uh, community. Uh, well, it's many communities, right? But the, the city or county is very diverse in the sense that we have many different uh, groups present, and each of those groups has its own culture, if you will, ways mm-hmm. of looking at the world and dealing with things. And though, when we're together with all those different identities and cultures and experiences, that's the diversity. Is, is that combination of all those differences and similarities. And then that yeah. kind of fosters this need for inclusion, right? Yes, yes. So inclusion, so diversity is, it's a fact of humanity, of human yeah. existence is about diversity, especially given that our societies combine many different groups, right? It's multiculturalism mm-hmm. is just a, a fact of the United States among many other societies. So most workplaces today, you're going to have diversity of one sort or another, whether it be based on uh, not just race and ethnicity, but also gender. You have sexual orientation, you have age, you have um, different abilities, physical or, 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 or mental. You have all kinds of dimensions of difference, right? Whether right. people have military experience, you know, all those things together is what forms the diversity. So you could speak of groups being more or less diverse. Inclusion is about what we do with that diversity. It's about how we get the benefits or potentially get the benefits of diversity. So inclusion is about creating a group or a community or an organization where those differences are a source of strength, where people can uh, treat each other and work together in ways where people feel safe and like they belong or like they can really participate and, and have their voice really matter and be present without having to assimilate, without having to give up uh, or hide or cover valued identities. So if there's something that's important to me about myself, for example, I'm an immigrant, yeah. or the fact that Spanish, that English is my second language um, and that I speak Spanish as my first language, 
or my uh, religious background or you know, everything else, do I have to hide that or cover it to be part of a group? Well, if I do, then I don't, I'm not really fully included. If, on the other hand, I feel valued and safe and able to really bring my ideas and perspectives and identities, and other people like me also do, then that's what I would call uh, experiencing inclusion. And to the extent that there's more of that, I think it's going to be a more likely that we're going to get the benefits of the diversity. And so you've obviously you've been a professor in this space for a long time now, and you've led workshops on these subjects before. Uh, so these yes. are these are big concepts. And so I'm curious yes. how you can kind of train people to change the way that they think in this space. Yeah, well, that's an interesting question, because I tried, even though we talk about training, and, yeah. um, you know, I think the idea of training is about, let me get you to do what I want. When you open the beak and you just put <laughs> pre-chewed food into the little <laughs> uh, baby bird's beak, yeah. you know, that that's what training, the idea of training kind of can evoke. You know, I know that people mm-hmm. don't always think that graph- about it that graphically, but I think of it as yeah. learning. I think about it as development. I think about it as a group process, for example. So if I think as education, if I think about it that way, then it's not, I'm not trying to change somebody's thinking directly. I'm trying to create a space where people can actually be more in touch with who they are themselves, be able to um, learn and think about what would it mean to not only create a space for oneself, but to create a space for others, Mm. and then to develop practices and insights, like both uh, ways of thinking, ways of feeling, and ways of acting that would increase the likelihood of inclusion. Of course, they have to uh, understand what it is and value it and see it as a positive thing. But I, I'm not going to convince you of that. If, if your idea is, look, I'm going to try to convince everybody that my way is the best way, I, how am I going to dissuade you from that easily? I need you to experience the possibility that maybe you might be better off and you might actually um, enhance your own experience and your own results by creating more inclusion, for, not only for yourself, but for others. And so when I've done this in the, in the classroom, in the graduate school yeah. situation, it's about, as I like to say, teaching inclusion by experience and example mm-hmm. uh, to create a space where people can actually experience it for themselves. And I don't think it's that different in the organizational space. When we try to launch a diversity inclusion council, when we um, do, whether it's a two-hour workshop or multi-day workshop um, or learning experience, it's about experiencing inclusion in that situation, giving people a chance to talk to each other and find out what is it like to really be listened to and not be judged? What is it like to do that for someone else? What is it like to share my many identities in a safe way where someone is not trying to compare themselves to me, but rather is taking me for who I am and is really curious about that? And when I'm able to do that, then people start understanding what that's like and know what they can do to foster more of that. And that's the next step is to say, okay, how do we do this more often? Like, if you think back to experiences you've had where you've had this kind of feeling, what made it work? What did you do? What did other people do? What were the organizational policies? And then you start creating that together so you can create some norms for your particular group or organization. I'm interested about uh, starting that conversation um, because this is clearly a really important thing and there's a lot of benefits to just increasing yeah. awareness for diversity and inclusion. And yeah. so I'm I'm wondering, what about these organizations that might say, yes, this is important. Uh, we see what's going on in the world and everything, but 
we're fine. We don't need to bring in any external help or any workshops or anything. What do you tell those folks or what, what happens in those situations? So this is not so much, it's interesting how you ask the question. It's not so much about, because you framed it in terms of like addressing a problem, right? And certainly that's an option, right? Like people are upset because they're seeing what's happening in the world in terms of race relations. And they're saying, you know what, we need to address this. We need to do something about race relations because, you know, we need to do something that's more proactive than we've done before. Because we, you know, there's protests. We want to be on the right side, you know, on the correct side of things. We want to be forward looking. We want to make people, you know, that that's okay. I mean, that yeah. that's one reason. But waiting until there's a problem is short sighted. Mm. Uh, inclusion is not about problems. It's about opportunity. It's about maximizing the chances for innovation, for engagement, for retention of people, for minimizing turnover, for uh, increasing people's um, passion for what they're doing or involvement with it. Right. Um, so. That is not about waiting until there's a problem. That's about making a, 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 a place of work, for example, a place of choice where people would rather be than somewhere else. Mm. Uh, and so some organizations will wait until there's some issue. You know, they want to avoid potential lawsuits or things like that. Okay, fine. But much more powerful is when they say, we're doing pretty well, but you know what? We think we could do a lot better. Like, what if we're missing like a lot of people from our conversation? Who's missing at our table? How do we actually make sure that the people who are here are actually doing their best and feeling really um, engaged and included? And, you know, and so if you come from that position, it's going to be a more of a position of strength and you're going to have a much better time doing it also. And and people will be more likely to to say, wow, this is a good thing, as opposed to feeling, you know, if you go from a place of shame or guilt or negativity, it's harder. And that's, again, why I like to focus on inclusion. We do come around to addressing oppression, to addressing uh, racism, to addressing other kinds of uh, ways that people are, are um, you know, the, the hierarchical ways that that things happen, right? Yeah. Uh, in terms of difference, but what we wanted, um, but if we start with the draw, the the positive reason for it, people can see the benefits, right? First, yeah, and say, okay, now how do we do that and minimize the chances that we're going to treat differences hierarchically? and negatively and maximize the chances that we're going to look at each other with new eyes in an open way and give each other space to be who we are. When it comes to, uh, you know, again, fostering diversity and inclusion, I think one thing that you might hear people say is, oh, well, there could be some censorship that comes with that. I should be able to say what I want to say and free speech is important. And and it is. So my question for you is how can uh, places, workplaces, uh, universities, schools, foster diversity and inclusion while still leaving that space for healthy and productive dialogue and debate? I think a healthy and productive dialogue, um, I don't know about debate, but difference and even conflict that one's for another is very much a part of inclusion. Mm. If we don't have, if we don't have space for difference, including uncomfortable differences, I don't think we're really being fully inclusive. Inclusion is not about holding hands and singing Kumbaya. (laughs) It's about bringing out differences that sometimes can be contentious. Yeah. And, 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 and feel awkward and strange. And so we have to develop the skills individually and together to address that. And so if, if, if the idea is uh, well, let's, suppress, let's not address inclusion because we're going to have debate, the chances are you're going to have more of it. It's just that people are hiding it or they're you know, assuming that certain ways are the right way to handle it when some of those ways are more um, 
favoring some groups over others. And so it's inclusion is about creating some boundaries. Inclusion does not mean that anything goes. Yeah. Another uh, mistake is people think, oh, my, wow, if we do this, we're just going to allow any to say anything and do anything. No, absolutely not. Because if you use the, 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 the discourse or the, the language of inclusion to say things that are hurtful or to put other people down or to minimize other people, that is absolutely not inclusion. And that is, you know, you can claim free speech, but the problem is that you're going to have to deal with the consequences. And so mm-hmm. there's free speech and telling you, no, you hurt me or you hurt this group or you're creating problems for certain people doing their best. So we have to be able to talk about that as well. So we need to together figure out what are the boundaries and norms that make sense for us? What are we going to be comfortable with? What are the things that are going to be absolutely not okay? You know, like sexual harassment is not okay. Uh, Other kinds of harassment or putting people down because of their identities. So what does that mean and what does that look like? Because some people say, well, you know, we're never going to be able to have any jokes. Well, yeah, you can have jokes, but you need to think about the impact, whether you intended that or not. And if you truly want to be inclusive, then you don't want to just use your power to demean other people. Uh, you have to accept their reality is true for them and give them the space to say, you know what, this is what would work better. On that thread there, why are diversity and inclusion issues that transcend the political spectrum? Because I think a lot of times it can be associated with one political leaning or another, but yeah. it sounds like it's, yes. it's a little bit bigger than that. Of course it is. I mean, if you think about the United States, the idea of having multiple or at least historic, you know, in recent yeah. history or you know for many years there's two parties but there's a lot of differences within those parties uh, but we have a spectrum of political views and that's the diversity so the question is how do we have civil discourse in those you know with those different groups how do you engage with each other so the differences can be laid out in a in a respectful way where people can hear the options mm-hmm. and put out their opinions and and still treat each other civilly the problem we have now is that we're very polarized and people only listen to others who may agree with them or who support their views. And then that actually, that's absolutely not inclusive at all. Yeah. Right. So we need to come back to ways of, of, of coming together across the differences. I, um, I was part of a group called America Speaks for a number of years where we would put together um, big town halls on very important policy issues like we did California Speaks on healthcare. Well, we brought people together across the political spectrum to think about how do we deal with the health care issues in the United States? Same thing for the budget, uh, our budget, our economy, a big town hall across the country where we had people think about how do we reduce the deficit? And we had people sitting at the same table from, you know, the Tea Party and from MoveOn.org mm-hmm. talking about how do we reduce the deficit, you know, in terms yeah. of both uh, raising certain uh, taxes and cutting expenses and but we created a space that was facilitated where that had certain norms. And so it's about talking about how do we do this in a way that fits, fits everyone. If yeah. that doesn't, hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, definitely. It's, there's multiple ways to approach an issue and truly being inclusive, it sounds like, is to hear those points of view and kind of come up with something from there. You know, I think you know, there's so many issues where we really need to – to, to create spaces that allow for those differences rather than assuming that we're all homogeneous and similar. How do we assume uh, difference and, and variety, right? Even in spaces where people kind of might look the same, but they come from different backgrounds, they have different experiences, they have different values. So how do you create community and civic spaces where that becomes the norm 
that's to me the foundation of what I think of as the U.S. Uh, U.S. values, the U.S. Constitution, the U.S. you know Bill of Rights, that kind of thing. My final question for you here: What are some things that everyday people can do to educate themselves in diversity and inclusion, or just become more aware of that? That's a great question. I think there's a lot. First of all, to think about oneself. What are the things that make me who I am? Understand one's own history and background and experience um, and not assume that it's the same as everyone else's. Uh, Second of all, be able to talk about that with other people, to share, uh, so that people don't get the illusion that we're all the same, right? So that the differences come out as well in 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 a good way. And so part of that is also being curious about others and listening to them, asking people to tell you their story and and really being curious about it without comparing, without judging, but saying, okay, thank you for, wow, I'm learning something. Thank you for sharing that. And without exoticizing other people, right? And then um, also being in in different kinds of spaces, talking about how we're going to be together, whether it's a, you know, homeowners association or a community meeting or a workspace, being able to have a little time to say, Okay, what? How are we doing this? What do I need? What do you need to really bring out the, our, your voice, my voice, and our contribution, so that um, we can do our best together? Those are pretty easy to do. It sounds like anybody could kind of jump into this conversation when they're, you know, willing to do it and ready to do it. I hope so. That, that that's the idea, right? To say there's no one place to start. It, there can be many different places, but I think it's it's really valuing ourselves and others as we are. Um, you know, I worked with one organization, um, they were in Seattle, but we did a, a webinar together. And, you know, I asked them, what should I wear? You know, what's, what's your regular dress? And they said, well, our philosophy is come as you are. Yeah. And I love that. To me, that is like a little pithy way to describe uh, the beginnings of inclusion, right? If we can create a space where we encourage people to come as they are, and then we engage with each other as full human beings, I think we're really have taken a great step toward inclusion. Thank you so much for your time. That is all that I have for you today. Uh, But I really appreciate this. This is really insightful. Thank you. I'm here in the community. Glad to talk to anybody, people who are interested and uh, so glad to talk to you today. Thanks for everything you're doing. Great stuff there from Bernardo Ferdman. For more resources on diversity and inclusion, you can check out his website, ferdmanconsulting.com. That's all we got for this bonus episode of the North County Beat. Special thanks to our podcast manager, Ryan Wolt. The Ghost News Editor-in-Chief is Jordan Ingram. Our associate publisher is Chris Kidd. And our publisher is Jim Kidd. I'm your host, Kelly Kyle. Thanks again for listening and have a great week. We will talk to you next time.